Welcome to the Modern Bruja podcast, where we break down our cultural practices as modern brujas. Welcome everyone to Modern Bruja with your two favorite brujas, Jay and Sin. Say hi, Jay. Hello. Folks, <laughs> we're in Mercury retrograde. Yeah. In Libra. So, right? In between Libra and Virgo, and you're a Virgo, Virgo everything. And then a Libra. But I'm a, I'm a Libra Mercury. <sighs> I'm a Libra. That's why I. That's why y'all love my voice so much. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> love the way I communicate. Right. My right. realness. Oh my gosh. Um. Yeah. So just bear with us because um. Two Libra celliums like, trying to push through Mercury retrograde is going to be a little tough here, but. Listen, it's just going to be like every other show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're blaming it on Mercury this time. This time, <laughs> yeah. Mercury and the fact that we're two Libra stelliums, so you get what you get, folks. Right. Um, how and you the doing? funny thing, I was oh, gonna go say stelliums are not that common. Mm-mm. So the fact that we both have a not only do we both have stelliums, that we both are Libra stelliums, yeah, is kind of interesting. Yeah, and there's um, so stelliums are when you have three or more planets in one house or one sign. And some people will also say like, well, a true stellium is when you have three big planets. So like your three main, and they don't consider the rising being a planet, right? Right. Most like modern astrologers will say any three planets in a house or sign is a stellium. So by that, I have three stelliums. Jesus. I have a stellium (laughs) in Virgo, a stellium in Libra, and a stellium in Scorpio. I am so much fun, guys. (laughs) So much fun. Um, this is why I'm the hot man. What happened? I said that's a complicated chart. Um, actually, not really. It's really easy to read. I know it's because it's, it's all right there, but it's all in the first quadrant. Yeah, um, all that energy though, fighting with each other. Right, right. And thankfully, the only ones that they're ever fighting with is the Libra, because you know the middle child, basically. Air. Yeah, yeah, that's the air. But like, um, the fact that. Virgo's a like mutable sign like I'm just letting the other two signs figure it out for themselves like, <laughs> what you need to do like what you need to do. right <laughs> the best one may the best one win right base Scorpio's gonna win this one yeah. but yeah like we're, let's just be honest we already know Scorpio's gonna win this one oh. um, but welcome to new moon in Libra we got new moon in Libra vibes we talked about um how I romanticized Libra in the last episode um, but they're not romantic at all. Um, <laughs> they're not. Actually, I, I can't. No, they're lovey-dovey. I feel like Libras can be lovey-dovey. Mm-hmm. Definitely can be. Um, yeah, more so than like Tauruses are too, but more like inside the home and Libras express it more on the outside. I feel. Right. Um, but how are you doing, Jay? I'm hanging in there. I mean, this retrograde, um, the pre-shadow, which sometimes does hit me harder than the actual retrograde, it hit me hard mm. um, physically. I've been like, I got a scraped knee that got infected and then my eyes swelled, swelled up and it was like just all the things. <laughs> but oh. I'm better now. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wait, but you don't have this in your sixth house, do you? No. My Libra's in the ninth. 
That's so weird. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, oh, you know what? Maybe because Mercury was actually transiting Virgo, which mm-hmm. is the health. That's probably why it was doing that for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I go back to like, I don't necessarily really feel it. I just blame everything on Mercury. That's really what I it comes down to. I definitely feel it. Either I get lost or like the traffic hit. So, and then, you know, school just started and it's like getting back into that um, traffic that comes with, like, it's almost like you forget there's a lot of traffic that happens with back to school. There's more cars in the road, the school buses, and even just five o'clock traffic is back to normal. It's like back to pre-COVID normal over here. And so it's weird to, you know, cause for two years we didn't have that. So if you want to know what the grimiest thing that 2022 has done to us is traffic, in my <laughs> opinion, that is the grimiest thing 2022 has done to us. We were doing so good. Like we were the fact that I get anywhere in like 15, 20 minutes. And Seriously. now I'm like, why? why? Yeah. I can't, I can't. Um, <clears throat> yes. Guess what today's topic is. It's our favorite topic. It's their favorite topic too. That's actually what it is. We just were just naming it as ours because no nos queda de otra. Right. We all are always talking about We have this. to have a season with this topic or I think people will hurt us. Yeah, and I feel like we could have probably just rebranded our entire podcast to this and just had like, because there's so many conversations that could actually happen around what? Ancestor work, right? Um, That I think we could have done like a whole podcast series on just decolonizing and um, like really honoring our ancestors through that work, which is really why we created this podcast though, right? right? We really created this from a space connecting to our ancestral roots in a way that we don't feel shamed for doing right? right like we're really standing in that power um but this is like you know we were talking offline and jay said this best like this is actually the best time to do this type of conversation because we are entering october which is when the veil is at its thinnest mm-hmm. which means the communication with our ancestors gets heightened it's right here right yeah um you know halloween Dia de las Brujas. Uh, Dia de los Muertos, uh, all the stuff is around uh, now. So it's a really good time to have this conversation. And Hispanic um, Heritage Month, right? Oh, right. September 15th, October 15th. So it's a good time to like really focus in on what that means to you. What does Hispa- Hispanic Heritage Month mean to you, Jay? I'm like, that's, it doesn't. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm saying as sarcastic as I can. I know. It doesn't, but I feel like it's a good time for us to see how we're viewed, right, in Mm -hmm. the United States as part of, like, our ancestor work, how we're our ancestors viewed compared to how we are viewed currently in our journey to spirituality and decolonizing, because really Hispanic and Latino are a term that the United States created to other us, right? So how does that make you feel? And that's actually like my thing is that I cringe every single time I hear Hispanic Heritage Month because like I don't consider myself Hispanic at all. Like I've never used that even as a kid. I never used that as a, like a term to describe myself. Yes. Um, 
if anything, I probably use Latino more as a child. And I still use Latino when like people don't know what Chicana means because I really do identify as Chicana. Right. For those of you that don't know, Chicana is like a, it is a form of political ideology of people that come from the Mesoamerica area, right? So like Mexican Salvador and Central Americans, many of us will consider ourselves Chicanos. There's some that will be like, oh, you gotta be like Mexican American. Nah, you don't. It's a political ideology, folks. Let's let's grow with let's grow with the time here. Um but so I've always since high school have considered myself even like probably middle school considered myself Chicana so every single time I would see Hispanic heritage ones I would cringe because I'm like that's not celebrating me and then all I would see for like 30 days were commercials of the folklorico dancers yeah like oh happy Hispanic heritage month with the little like like dancing skirts right yeah. <laughs> like in, on the commercials and I'm like now Granted, my dad is from the part of Mexico where, like, they, they say it's like the capital of Folklorico. He's from the state of, of Jalisco, which is in, from near Guadalajara. And so, like, I would definitely have pride because it is something that is actually within my heritage. But I'd also cringe because I'm like, they're not, those people don't look like my daddy. Yeah. They don't look like my mom. Yes. My mom's dancing around waving her little skirt like that. Like, that's not happening. Right. And they weren't talking about, um, I, you know what I always laugh and Jay I don't know I don't know if you felt like this um because you obviously I grew up on the west coast you grew up on the east coast so your commercials might have had like people in all of their whites waving their little banderitas like walking around or something you know <clears throat> but like the one thing that I always like didn't like about the commercials is that you would see for example uh, growing up on the West Coast, whenever it was like Heritage Month for any of the other um, cultures, mm -hmm. there would be some type of acknowledgement of the contributions that they've given to society, right? And some of them obviously very whitewashed, what felt very comfortable for white right. Americans to put up there, right? The thing is that would really, really bother me about what the contributions were for like Latinos, aka Hispanics, according to them, it was never any of the stuff of what I would consider substance, right? It was always around like, oh, your dancing is so beautiful. Oh, it's like the, what I would call the very superficial stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind of like, yo, we had astrology, we had math. Like we had like all of these things that we actually right. contributed to, to culture, mm -hmm. right? The only person that I would ever get to see up there was like Thomas Edison, because he was like half Mexican. And he, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was like half Mexican. So they would always put him up as like the poster child. The, right, life. the leader. <laughs> but I'm like, he's fucking half white. Not, no, yeah. no shade. Right. Tommy, no shade. Okay. But. So interesting. You like literally put the person up there that felt the safest to you. Right. right? When there were so many people that like, think about the farm workers, the Filipinos and the Mexicans on the, and I'm talking strictly from like my heritage of the West Coast, right? Filipinos and Mexicans joining together to like win actual labor rights right. for the rest of the, like for the rest of the country, right. right? They fought on pesticides to make sure that we have better food supplies, right? And like that stuff isn't like ever acknowledged, right? So but what anyway. about, I thought like infrastructure too, like cobblestone. Yeah. Right. We're made. We're Mexican. Was a Mexican thought process basically. Yeah. Was a infrastructure taken from Mexicans into colonial times. Yeah, a lot of the. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to clean my throat a lot today. Um, a lot of the um, infrastructure around sewage. 
was created, one of the reasons why, and this isn't just because of Mexicans, a lot of the Native Americans, right? Indigenous people of the, of the United States, of the Americas period, South and North America, had infrastructure for sewage systems, which is why we didn't have diseases in the way that Europe did. Yes, right. Europe just put their trash, kind of like New York City, put their yeah. trash out on the street. Out on the curb. Right, which is why diseases- Brought the rats with them, right? So like the right. rats, yeah. So like to a degree, if you even look at it now, you know, people will say like, oh, New York is a dirty city. It is because- But they it's directly it. related to the colonial time. Right, and that's why disease spread faster here, right? Um, this is why vaccination, you know, to a degree is a little bit more necessary here in these areas or some type of preventative medicine is just because- at the rate that things spread here, right? It's yeah. very similar to colonial times because they didn't have infrastructure for sewage or- used to so away. many people. It's oh, New York has always been so many people packed in a small space, right. right? It was always like that central hub. And I swear, I saw a documentary a couple of years ago that mentioned how they were running out of space. So they were throwing garbage out into the river to kind of, I don't know how that worked, to kind of make the islands bigger, or at least that's what they thought was gonna happen. Um, and I was just like, what is this? You're just gonna throw garbage in the river. That's why the Hudson looks the way that it does, right? That's why the Hudson's so gross. Um, my people are so dirty. <laughs> oh my God, seriously. And I feel like <laughs> if nothing else, right? You know, and I would say, oh, well, our ancestors were close to water. They had sewage systems. They had irrigation systems. They understood cleanliness was a big deal, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, and it, I go back to, it wasn't just, you know, the Mesoamericans that had these types of systems of like the infrastructure of like urban planning of what right. like urban planning right. is actually based on now. The blocks, right? you know what? Blocks and the way that blocks were created too, that was all Native American. Mm -hmm. They took that infrastructure as well from the Bates and how um, Native Americans were together, right? With the central house and then the other houses around it. That's very similar. Yeah. So all this to say is I really struggled with Hispanic Heritage Month yeah. as a child. Um, I still struggle with it as an adult. And now for like different reasons, part of it is like the work that I do. Part of it is just seeing how it's manifesting in the world right now. I'm right. Like, um, so, you know, I am not of the belief that different cultures should be like, you know, celebrated only in one month. We should be celebrating right. each other All every year. day of yeah. the year, right? Um, and I think like that's what I would like to spend the majority of today's episode on is actually talking about how we can celebrate each other and our, and, and our cultural differences, right? Because Jay, you and I were also talking about, um, you know, good old USA. And this is USA specific. Right. Right. This is not like, you're not going to see We're not this. in Europe. So we can't comment about how Hispanics or Latinos or how, you know, are in Europe. And they might not even be called that. They might be called, you know, where they're from, Central Americans or South Americans. Can I also just tell you my, my favorite TikTok right now has been, and then we'll go back to the regularly scheduled program. <laughs> is um my tiktok feed has been blowing up with like latinos that live in like oh like 
that were born and raised in England. For yes, example. me too. And my favorite thing is that they're talking and they're British accent. Yes. And it like, and it's they, really mind blowing. I'm like, this is how American I am, right? Yeah, it really shows how American we are because it's like the way that you go back and forth between like your Colombian accent or like your Sp Spanish accent to this British accent is mind blowing. But I'm sure they feel the same way about us when they hear us speak. Right, right. And they also say many times, much like the blacks in 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 the UK, right? That they don't relate to us Americans. Yeah, they're like the way that we see culture to them is so it really feels it's foreign. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that has been my favorite TikTok is seeing them go chip chip cheerio. They're not. Yeah. That. They're not <laughs> at all. They're they're much cooler than I am. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, the one thing that you and I were talking about is you know the United States. What specifically, right? I and mean, we've been talking about modern bruja now for the last three years, Jay? Yeah. Three years, however long we've been doing this. It's really been from the lens of being born and raised in the U.S. with right. Latin heritage, right? So for you, Jay, that your Dominican heritage, my heritage is Mexican and Salvadoran, right? And some of the things that felt taboo, because yes, there's also colonialism stuff going on in, in our respective mother countries, right? that they have to deal with, but we weren't there. We can't address those things. Like right. my cousins that were born and raised over there have a whole different outlook on life, a whole different everything than what I was raised with here, right? And then them to a degree may not always, um, you know, I think one thing that I think we've said before is being born in a country anywhere outside of the U.S., is actually not only very cultural, but very nationalistic. Right. You are forever an American based on where you're, because you were born here, period. To them, period, you're American. You were born here, mm -hmm. right? Your culture might be this and that, but you're American, mm -hmm. right? The fact that we say that, I say that I'm Mexican, Salvadoran, American, to them blows their mind. They're like, but you're American. You're not really Mexican. You're not really Salvadoran. And I'm like, but I am. <laughs> like, I am because the United States has conditioned me to say that I'm not just American, right? I'm all of these other things and kind of American because I don't fit the model or whatever. Right. right. Um, so they have a whole different perspective. So we're gonna continue to talk about it from our perspective here in the US and how we're addressing some of the, you know, ancestor work by addressing like anti-colonialism here, right? Um, and like, let's get started with that, like how we even identify ourselves, right? For me, over time, it's become a way for me to actually honor my ancestors, right? Right. To be able to say, I'm Mexican and Salvadoran, you know, born in the United States, right? Um, do you often say Dominican American or do you just say yes. like American? No, Dominican American. Yeah. Right. But for me, like, it's become a way to like honor, mm -hmm. you know? Um, although I will say this, when I'm talking to white people and they ask me where I'm from, I'm from California <laughs> <laughs> and I play dumb. I do. I play dumb often. Right. I'm like, Oh, what do you mean? Right. right. Because the other thing that also comes up for me, and I don't know if you feel this way, Jay, is 
all of our countries had indigenous populations. Right. Right. And to that degree, we're all Native Americans. Mm -hmm. No matter what part of the Americas you're from. Right. You were born there and you have ancestry there. You're Native American, which means you are first peoples of this, of this, of this continent. Right. And when they're trying to label you something else or as an immigrant, that starts to like rile me up. Because I'm like, I'm not technically an immigrant. We all like, are. Right? We, we all are. But like, if you're, gonna, not- if you're gonna name me one, then you know, you, Mr. Caucasian person or Miss Caucasian person, are also an immigrant. Your grandparents, great grandparents might have immigrated here as well. So there's no difference. But we're immigrants. We have to like because of the color of our skin, because of the right. texture of our hair, we have to consider ourselves immigrants, right? right? And so like, that's the stuff that like riles me up, which is why I'm like, nope, I'm American. Right. <laughs> like I'll sit here and be like, mm-hmm. and just, um, and they're like, but what's what's your background? And I'm like, I don't know what you mean background. What happened? What happened? I'll play dumb all day. I know. Um, but I always, I'm always curious as to how people identify themselves um especially in situations like that and I think it's also a little different like I think the newer generations are definitely a little bit more woke than we are yeah and when they're asking what's your background they're not really asking what's your background in the same way that we received what's your background as a kid right right? like we really were completely other as children um and forced to assimilate like you know even Native Americans right right um we're forced to assimilate and and be othered. Um, and so I do think about like how people now will respond to that. And I think now there's a sense of pride to say like, hey, oh, you know what? Sorry, this is like a tangent. This is just an FYI for our young listeners. Right. When you're interviewing somewhere with people of a certain age, <clears throat> 40 and older. <laughs> um, we don't care about feelings in the workplace. Right. right. I know you do. I know you do. And I'm not saying your feelings are not important. Right. And I, you can call me La Toxica all you want. I your agree. job does not define you. Your job should not be your end-all, be-all. Right. Okay. Therefore, your feelings really don't need to matter that much. Because right. if you're making it everything for you, you've already started off on the wrong foot. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And I guess it's, that's how our, and maybe it is because our generation as first generation um, folks that are migrating to different worlds, right? We come home and it's a different world. It's, you know, you're Dominican at home, you're American outside of the house, you're Dominican American when somebody asks you, right? But you're that's a code switching. Like we do that for protection. It's a form of protection. And to me, it is a form of ancestral protection where you play their game. Right. Because you can't come in and be like, this my this my company now. Like you just need the check. Right. At the end of the day, we just trying to make that money so we can pay our bills. Like, I don't care about nothing else. If you don't want to talk to nobody, like do you outside of that? But understanding that code switching is a protective, is protective magic, right? Is brujeria in a sense. And it's okay to do it. You can't be like, well, this is who I am, and I am who I am. Right. Because then you're going to come in and people are only going to see you. They're going to judge you by your appearance before they see all your accomplishments. And that's a fact. 
right? You could have gone to Ivy League, you could have a master's, you could do all the things, but if they see you coming in with a certain attitude, that's what they're judging you on. So, you know, there's a podcast that I love called the Quien Tu Eres podcast. And he was a, he used to work at TikTok. And I say that he decolonized, he works on decolonizing the workplace, right? Because he used to work at TikTok. He walked away from like six figures um, because the culture. And now he has mm -hmm. this. So again, he didn't say, this is me and you have to take me in this way. And I'm fighting the culture. He said, this ain't for me, I'm out. And that's what I feel like the biggest difference is when we're talking about being ourselves, right? Um, but he talks about professionalism a lot. And if anything, if y'all really want, y'all should really hear, you know, his Instagram, his podcast is all about like code switching and professionalism and what it means to be professional at work and fighting those types of boundaries. But like, we can't come in out the gate, <laughs> right? And be like, I run shit. Because that's crazy. <laughs> Listen, all I'm telling you is that you need to talk to Gen Z because they're not, they're not in that wavelength. They're not. It's crazy. And then especially when you think of all the CEOs and upper management, they're Gen X. They're boomers still, right? There's some, you know, um, so it's like you've got to learn who your audience is. And I feel like that's how us, how we make that difference because we know who our audience is and we code switch to that. Like how you were saying, well, it depends on who's asking. I could tell you I'm Latina. I could tell you I'm Mexican. I tell you I was born here. It all depends the the space that I'm in, right? Because it's fluid and I don't trust y'all. And that's, that's okay. <laughs> so this actually brings in something that I think is good for our segue. You know, I'm the segue queen. Yeah, she is. <laughs> but it's like our different approaches to things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and really what this is like moving into too, is just that we actually all are different right but in the united states we're put under one label right of latino or latinx or whatever they want to label us i still say latino folks i don't get i'll be honest i'm old i know i don't like latinx because it's not a spanish term right the I next is it you i prefer latine me too yeah, and I i'll say latine before i say latinx yes but like the latinx Nah, I can't do it. It doesn't sound Spanish. <laughs> we gotta draw the line somewhere, right? They already gave us this name. We didn't ask for it. And now they want to put the X at the back. Nobody asked like, us. At least we could. Well, apparently somebody did, and that's what somebody put down. But I feel no. like that. I don't think so. I heard that it was like a group of like college, um, you know, like sociologists, whatever they were. And that's the term they created, but there was nobody representing any Latino, Latina, Latina person in the room, of course, right? Because no Latino person in their right mind would say Latinx. The X is not used in that way in Spanish. And I understand Spanish is a, don't come at me. I know Spanish is also, also a colonial language like English, but I'm saying if we're going to use it to describe a people who speak Spanish, then at least let it be in the correct way. <laughs> So I'm I prefer Latine, even though I am also, I don't have like, I use she, her pronouns, right? Okay. So I also understand that piece. 
or for me using Latino, Latina, like is not a thing for me, but I also understand that it might be for other people and I'll support. Right. Like, yeah, like let's Inclusive. figure out. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm let's... addressing a mixed group. It's Latine, but if I'm, yeah. if you're asking me who am I, I'm Latina. Right, right. Um, but that brings us to this thing about like, we're all different, right? We all come from different backgrounds, but in the United States, we're homogenized into yeah. one group, Latinos, right? Um, and when we're doing ancestor work, that's actually a little dangerous, mm-hmm. right? That's actually a little um, counterproductive to honoring our actual ancestors. And I think for a couple of reasons, but I think the main reason that I'll highlight now is that by not actually honoring your specific ancestors and doing the work specific to your background first, doesn't mean like I can do my work in my backgrounds. It doesn't mean that I'm disrespecting Jay. Right. right? But what I see a lot of Latinx doing right now <laughs> We're going to call them Latinx. That's disrespectful. No, let me stop. <laughs> the Latinx community right now, what we see a lot of folks doing, right, mm-hmm. is that they're trying to incorporate practices from everywhere, or everywhere else first yeah. without doing their work, right? And that actually is disrespectful to our ancestors, right? right. And I know a lot of it is like, well, I don't know where my ancestors come from. I don't History know. History books, right? Like, it's so because it's so easy in this technological age to figure that out. DNA testing, it will point you into the right direction, right? But like, I can, I can still like not venerate, but acknowledge, right, our differences and our beautiful cultural traditional differences without having to like appropriate, because it's still appropriating, right? So I'm like, wow, what you do for your ancestors is beautiful as you connect to them understanding we have very different indigenous ancestors we also have very different colonial histories right the same it was the same country but it wasn't the same person and I think that makes a difference right like when you have a different president in the United States it makes a difference in how the whole country kind of moves forward we see how that that changed between um President Obama and President Trump right and so you can't say, well, this is the same. We were both colonized by Spain. So we have the exact same history. We don't. And it's okay to acknowledge that difference to say, okay, we have differences and we have um, similarities that we can celebrate both, right? We can celebrate our differences and acknowledge them and be okay with that, right? Why do you think people don't do that? I feel like they take the easy way out or they see what other people are doing. They'd be like, Sin has lots of followers and she's doing ancestor work. And so what she must be doing correctly. So I'm just going to do what she's doing. No matter that she's from a completely different geographical like area. (laughs) And I feel like people are doing that. They're like, well, ancestor work should be the same. It's not right? Even if you go to Asia, if you go to their ancestor work, and they've always done ancestor work, right? Um, The only folks who don't do ancestor work is Americans as, right, as a nationality, right? Um, But people from Asia, people from wherever in Asia, in Africa, in 
when they all have their own ancestral work. And this is something where you don't have to be initiated into anything or a close practice to do ancestor veneration. It's your people. You start there and you see what they want to do. Um, but people get caught up in that, right? Yeah, and I think um, the first thing that we have to do is connect to our own roots, right? And listen, outside of you being adopted and not knowing, right? you know, that's a whole different story. We're not going to focus on that today, but we're going to focus on, you know, where your parents came from or your grandparents came from, right? right? Some, a Google search. Now, not everything on Google Google can get you in trouble. Check your sources, yeah. right? Yeah. Check your sources on this. Read some books on this. And just start there, you know. Um, I know people are really big into Palo Santo. Yeah. Right? Uh, people are really big into Sage. Right? The thing is, like, the way that they've been used ceremonially is different based on where you're from. Right. Right? And not to say that you can't use them because they're not close. The sage and Palo Santo are not close practices, right. right? So it's not to say that you can't use them, but it's like you might actually be able to honor your ancestors in a different way by uh -huh. using it in a way that they would have used it themselves. Right. Right. My ancestors would not have used, right, Palo Santo. They would have used tobacco, mm -hmm. right? So they would have used probably sweet grass before they used sage, before they used, um, you know, they would have used basil. They would have used those types. So I honor them in that way by choosing those herbs. Not that, again, not that there's anything wrong with Palo Santo. It smells great. But if we're working on ancestral work, we should be doing what they did, right? To connect. That's how they did it, to connect to their ancestors, which is still ours. And so continuing that tradition should be important. And I think that um, we try to do, I don't want to say this, but I think like specifically for people born in the US, there is like a, with people from like the Latin diaspora, right? There is a need to be assimilated, to feel like you are accepted. Because in reality, we've talked about this in the past, we're not fully accepted here and we're not fully accepted over there. Right? Yeah, so like we always have this need to feel like we belong to something. And so like there becomes this globalization, Jay, to something that you had said, you know, offline, there becomes to become this globalization of our spirituality, mm -hmm. right? And I don't, I'm not actually judging that. You know, I think that if that's the way you want to practice, that's good for a you. start, right? Yeah, good for you, right? I'm glad you're doing something. I hope it's meeting your needs, right? But if you really want to do some of the ancestral work, um, the globalization really isn't going to help you, right? Right. You need to really connect to the resources and the tools, right, of our people, um, and the practices that I have in my background are going to be different than the practices that Jay has in her background. Now, we've shared enough where some of the stuff is actually pretty, pretty similar, similar, right? But they're still different, right? So that's another thing. Even if you come from the same country, like look at Mexico and how huge, right? It truly is. And the cultures differ by like region. And so even lumping all of one country into 
the same spiritual or they all did the same thing would be inaccurate, right? Even DR lumping everyone into one thing where people from the capital might be more Catholic and more like folk Catholicism focused, right? People from the South and like closer to Haiti would be more African focused, right? Because that's, that's history tells us that, right? Like that how people settled made made a difference in how your neighbors were, how culturally, how you did things culturally. So you can't just say, well, all of my country, right? So that's why it's important to look at your family too, to say, what is the thing that your family did, right? Because I grew up, you know, my mom was supposedly or is supposedly Pentecostal. Right. <laughs> But she's always taught me to mop the house from back to front, okay? And that wasn't just because it was a preference. When you're mopping and you're cleansing in that way, that's a spiritual reason why you're mopping the way you are, right? But it just becomes the norm that, no, you shouldn't mop from the front door in. You should be mopping from the farthest corner out, right? And so like little things like that, we're like, well, we've always done it that way, but there's probably a spiritual reason for it. If you keep an eye out, you'd understand it. Instead of lumping everyone, right? Instead of saying all Mexicans, all Dominicans, all El Salvadorians, all Colombians do this, right? It's also looking at your family and say, what were we doing? Because again, this was ancestor work goes beyond the internet and the way that we're connected now and you guys could be a hundred miles apart, but still do things differently because that's how your lineage worked. Right. And it doesn't mean that it was wrong. It was just the way they chose to do it. Right. They might use rosemary instead of basil. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It means that was what they did. Right. It also goes back to like a lot of when you're getting all of your information off of Instagram yes. um, and TikTok, right. Sometimes you got to understand that people are doing things based on their ancestral practice. Right. And it might, it might differ. Like sometimes I see people like they're using, oh my God, I think it was basil or something. I think it was basil and they were using it in a way that most people don't use it. So they were like automatically, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Oh God. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, they're not actually. It's, it's, it's obviously working for them. Right. Right. And like they tapped into their ancestral work enough to know that it works for them. Now, there are some things that are like a little weird. Like when I see, yes, cleansing with Agua Florida is common mm -hmm. and will be used in, in, in specifically in some Mexican rituals for cleansing. But drinking it to spit it out is not so weird. Something. Yeah. I just toxic. You're going to die. Right. It literally says it on the bottle. Like you would die. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. But also look at the creator that did that. Right. That didn't look Mexican. Right. I'm going to say. We've been like, um, it, right? Like the, I know I'm going to say cacao. it wrong. The cacao. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that too, that it's a lot of, and even locally, so one thing I'm not going to do is disrespect my ancestors or yours by going to a cacao ceremony that's not led by anybody 
that is supposed to be led by. Okay. Talk about making mistakes. That's the one mistake I will never make. I could just feel them already smacking me from the other side of the veil. Like, how dare you go knowing that is not their practice, knowing that's not an, uh, an American, right? Practice, European practice. It is a Mexican practice. And a Mexican person is not leading it. Now, if a Mexican person was leading it, I, of course, would go, right? Like, if you said, hey, I'm doing the ceremony, I will be there because I know it's an authentic person doing it, right? But not if it's, like, just some random white girl that went to Peru for two weeks and now she's a shaman. Yeah, right? she's holding cacao circles. Yeah. And... and then you see the pictures. Mira, eso me pone, like, I guess so. I don't think anything else makes me angrier than that when I see that. Because it's like, oh my God, you have your own practices that if you really would look into, and this is why they never elevate. Like you really could look into what your people did, but instead you want to go to Peru and go to Mexico and go to Costa Rica and become enlightened and come back and sell it. <laughs> you want to go be enlightened. Yes. And then sell it back to the people who's that's their people. I'm like, never. And then the way I see it is like, if they could just have a Latino, because it doesn't even matter to them, it's not going to matter where they're from. But if you could have a Latino there, that's a cosign. That means you legit, right? So I'm like, I will never cosign. <laughs> never cosign that. <laughs> Sin is just distraught. <laughs> I have, really yeah. well, no, I have my issues with cacao ceremonies. No, I have my with cacao ceremonies because I want you to actually look through and see how many indigenous people are offering cacao. That's ceremonies. what I'm saying. <laughs> Literally, that's that should tell you something about cacao, cacao ceremonies. ceremonies. Right. I'm not saying cacao is not medicine because it actually is medicine and it is given as medicine. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that these frivolous ceremonies that have been created, in my experience, and I have very dear friends that also do this and take offense if you will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I don't tell you. Um, I trust them and I would go to them on many things, right? But I also know that in my lineage, cacao ceremonies are not a thing. Right. They're given to you as medicine. For example, um, they do warm up the body. So they will be given to you postpartum to help heal, right? But the ceremonies that are given now, like it's given as if it's like mushroom medicine yeah. or like ashwagandha or something. Yeah. That has never been my experience. Doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Again, it goes back to what you said that, you know, Mexico is a vast country and there's different practices. And maybe it did come from a practice that's just not near my practice. And I, I don't know it, but it's also why I'm not called to do it. Because I get asked all the time, would you do a cacao ceremony? And I said, no. Right. I will make you cacao because I think it's healing. And I think it's medicine. I have a friend that sent me some from when she did a journey um, out in Mexico and in, in Guatemala. And she sent me cacao and she actually sells it. And it's fucking amazing. And now she does cacao ceremonies. But she, to my knowledge, she doesn't do them in a way that is... Um, making them more she's actually just offering it as medicine for you to like know how to work with it right because right? cacao ceremonies are really about knowing how to work with that medicine on your daily practice 
right? right? Like you should have a cup of cacao a day for medicine to help warm up your body, right? It's a mother medicine. So it helps like connect you to your mother roots, help heal mother wounds, right? Right. It's a loving medicine, helps you go to sleep, right? People will do it right before they go to sleep because it calms down the, the nervous system, right? Because it is actual medicine, right? We use it as a caffeine to like give us energy in the United States, opposite of what it was actually intended for. Right. Like these cacao ceremonies that I see. Hot man. You know what I'm realizing right now is that Mercury is going to get me in trouble. Because <laughs> I'm saying a lot of things. He's like, like, let me shut up. <laughs> let me shut up. Because um, I have struggled for a very long time uh, with. I will just say this. It is rare to see an indigenous person yeah. from, from Mesoamerica coming here to do cacao ceremonies. And all I'm saying is ask yourself why that is. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. Ask yourself why that is. If you're going to be paying, and some of these ceremonies are not cheap. No. They're not cheap. No reason. They're like, For like no reason. They just put it up there in price just because they can. Right. If you all just want to have hot chocolate with me, I know. <laughs> let me know. I'll try. Right, we could do that. That's just let me know. Oh my god. No, I'll charge you. You can Venmo. Right. Then Travieso. Come, come back. <laughs> let me know. It's for the hot chocolate. Um, I'll send you some. Uh, but it's not something that I feel like it feels safe for people to do. Like I understand why colonizers have taken it as medicine. Right. Because in the journey aspect of other plant medicine, and cacao is a plant medicine, right? It's not a hallucinogenic. Well, here's the thing, is that some of these cacao ceremonies include meditation, right? right? So they'll do a meditation afterwards. And in that, what people might be like confusing is that they feel that the cacao itself is hallucinogenic during the meditation. It's not. Cacao itself is not hallucinogenic. Right. It's literally calming your nervous system is what it's doing when it's prepared properly, right? And so it's not like, it's not like peyote. It's not like ashagawanda, whatever it's called. It's not- um, Like mushrooms. It's not taking mushrooms. It's none, it's none of that, right? Um, it is very much um, about healing your heart energy and sitting with that. So when if you're led in a really proper meditation afterwards, which is how I feel my friend does it, right? Which to me, that, that feels honorable to the medicine, right? Then it's connecting you to a different part of yourself because it's calmed your nervous system enough in order to open you up to that road, right? But like other people make it seem like they're, they're selling cacao as like this big ass ceremony that happens as a ritual in all of these like Mesoamerican cultures. And that's just not true. Right. Right. Um, and that's where I start to have problems with. And I also understand that they do it because it's like the entryway to get them to do the other things that feel unsafe to people. Right. Because the moment that you get like, oh, I've been doing really well with cacao. I've been doing really well with cacao because it's not a hallucinogenic, folks. It's, it's not like <laughs> it's chocolate. <laughs> it's chocolate. I don't know okay. if people realize that too when they market it in that way, like oh, cacao ceremony. It's like, but it's chocolate. It's just bitter because it hasn't been sweetened, right? 
right? And you'll sweeten it with honey um, during the ceremony, prepare it. Like there's a way to prepare cacao to actually be healing medicine. And I go back to, it's given a lot to women at postpartum, yeah. right? But like, it's, it's like the main ingredient I would eat any bada chocolate. Like right. it's not hallucinogenic. Or like the bajado, like, my family ate a lot of the embajado. My father actually used to take a bar with him to lunch as like his his sweet thing, you know, his little sweet dessert after he ate lunch at work was his embajado. And I actually keep him one for him in the ancestral mm -hmm. altar because um that was like his favorite thing. You would always find it in his lunchbox. But yeah, like or the Cortez chocolate, you Cortez. could make you could just make chocolate, hot chocolate that way if you need to. Yeah. Like if you're in a natural like journey, like you want to eat more natural foods, instead of buying like the Swiss hot chocolate or the Abuelita hot chocolate or Ibarra hot chocolate or Cortez, like Cortez is for like the Dominicans in on the east. This is this is for my Californians because I know y'all going like, what's Cortez? I had to learn this the hard way too, folks. When I came here, I was like, where's my where's my Ivana? I can't find my Ivana. And somebody's like, you want Cortez? And I'm like, what is this? Yeah, what's this? It's the same thing, folks. Yeah. Um, if anything, I feel like the Cortez is actually a little bit more bitter, which means they sweeten it a little bit less. Mm -hmm. Um. So you put your own sugar into it, you know, when you're doing it. Um. And even talking about different our differences, right? It's interesting how you say you use honey to sweeten, right? In my family, we use ginger. So we put, mm. and then so even thinking about how great it is postpartum and how, because you need all that heat, right? To help heal you postpartum. You throw in ginger, that's another, you know, so you're really packing in the punch. And we also do a little pinch of salt to bring out the sweetness. Obviously, we put in sugar, but we also put in that pinch of salt, that ginger. And I always call it Dominican hot chocolate because I know not everybody puts ginger in it. And I want to make sure you know <laughs> if you're going to drink my hot chocolate, it might have ginger. But it doesn't mean it's wrong, just like it doesn't mean that your honey is wrong. So I love that how like we have those well, the similarities, right? And the differences in hot chocolate alone. And there is a version where they do put ginger in it as well. Um, and so it just, it depends on the postpartum work that's happening and the level that needs to happen. Honey is added afterwards once it's cooled down a little bit, cause you don't want it to get toxic and cook. Right. right? Um, but it's used to sweeten or piloncillo, right. Which is like brown sugar, basically. Yeah. Right. Added to it. Sugar. Yeah. Just to make it, um, cane sugar. Thank you. Just to make it sweeter. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, no folks, like I, I, I know why it's done. It bothers me, which is why you've never seen me do a cacao ceremony. Right. I mean, let's be honest. You don't see me do much mainly because I am who I am and I like doing things once and that's it. I am like, you know what I realized about that's myself? Me. Well, I realized that's actually very Virgo energy. Like mm -hmm. I feel like if I give you the tools once, that's it. I don't need to do this again. You got the tools. Yeah. You only need one Reiki session with me. You didn't figure it out. I'm sorry. Go to somebody. <laughs> like that's, what I figured out about myself. And it took me a while to figure that out. And now I'm there. So this is why you all don't always see my services. And I know I'm ratchet, but it's fine. <laughs> um, the, uh, but that's one of the main reasons is because I don't, it doesn't call to me because it's not my practice. And in fact, I feel that if I were to do a cacao ceremony, not to say that I won't do one in the future, because I might do one just to be like, I'm just going to make you all some hot chocolate. Like that's what I'm going to do. Um, it's in this moment in time, 
if I were to do one, I feel like it would be perpetuating harm instead of perpetuating good. Right. And that's the reason why I, I've decided not to participate in it. Doesn't mean I don't do, I don't drink cacao because I do, I actually have a big nice bag of cacao downstairs, right? Like pure organic cacao. Like not to say that I don't have that, but the ceremony aspect of it to me is a little bit of fluff. And I'm just right. like, that's not real. That's not real. What are some other things that you feel have been toxic? Because that's one for sure. Well, you, I feel like you were just saying like the Palo Santo and the um the sage has been kind of colonized in a way, right? And so when it happens that way, then it makes me not want to use it because now you're not mm -hmm. using the herb, you know. So now I just want to respect the herb and use something else. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, I've never been a Palo Santo person just because I know it's endangered, and that's not what my people used. So out of respect right and sometimes i feel like we miss that piece like out of respect for other people's culture as well as a respect for my own culture there's just things i wouldn't do mm -hmm. you know what's the other piece is i think it's more around like ceremony rituals that yeah. I do. like the use of tools don't always get to me i feel because sometimes the tool is also looking for you because you need a different type of cleansing right, right? so i am a believer in that so sometimes um palo santo will call to you eventually to use right and i think that as long as you're getting it from a reputable source which means a family that farms it and makes their money off of that and you can find palo so what palo santo is just holy wood right it is right. dried wood it grows all over latin america it doesn't just grow in one part of south america it grows all over latin america and they all all here's the thing the the holy wood of mexico is different than the holy wood of DR, mm -hmm. of Peru, of Ecuador, of Argentina, Brazil, but we all have a version of it. Right. And usually it'll be like sticks that are just, that are being burned. And it's like leña, right? Sometimes when they're doing bonfires and you have fire keepers, um, specifically to like Mesoamerica, you are becoming a fire keeper to la leña. That leña is actually considered holy wood sometimes, right? And so it's, it smells like very nice and aromatic, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily like, I agree that it's misused. And I think that um, the way that has become, you know, capitalism has done its thing with it is very, right. is very dangerous I along mean, with stage. At Five Below now, like. Don't buy your stuff from Five Below, folks. It's not. You can find stage and Palo Santa Five Below. And I'm like, what is this foolishness? Cleansing tools you never want to buy with Baju tools. Like, yes, there's, yes. there's budget brujeria and we participate in budget brujeria but like that's not the budget brujeria you want to do right? right um you know which one does get me though is like when some of these like americans go to our motherlands to hold retreats yeah that's what i mean and then come back <laughs> i'm gonna charge you like a lot of money to go on these retreats yes thousands of dollars <clears throat> you know what else i think is a sham huh certifications oh yeah because and then you're thinking of who created the the you know the criteria that you need to get a certification that's kind of like medicine right we were practicing medicine before colonial times i mean hello even just birth work we were birthing our by ourselves and now they turned birth work into this billion dollar industry because it makes people feel like they can't birth anywhere outside of a hospital 
when our ancestors have been doing it, using the moon to track and using astrology and astronomy to predict your baby's birth, like for thousands of years. So then somebody randomly came by and was like, well, you got to be certified in these areas in order to be a doctor. But who said you was the person to tell everybody? That's why I hate about certifications. I hate certifications because I feel that they become gatekeepers to the right. work. Right. And it's gatekeeping our work from ourselves. Right. Like every single time that I have a Latina and I mainly work with Latinas, right? Come to me and say, now, granted, I have Reiki certification, mm -hmm. right? Because I am attuned in the practice of Reiki. Right. right. That's the only certification I have. I don't believe that you need certification to do energy healing, though. Energy right. healing is a universal concept that you don't need certification for. But every single that time- different, I, right? Again, it's something that's different depending on your culture and depending right. on lineages with sobadoras, with laying hands, all right. that is energy work. Because in our, in my lineage, you just apprenticed. Yeah. You didn't get a certificate at the end of the thing. You just apprenticed. You spent your time, you dedicated your time and you worked with them. For years. So it wasn't a weekend in Peru either. It wasn't like, oh, I spent, you know, my last weekend in Peru, I'm, I'm, I'm ready you know and these folks that go there to do medicine and then believe they can now hold ceremonies to do medicine after doing right. this twice and i'm like you know how dangerous that is right and even in my lineage in, in dominican voodoo you are supposed to be in um in service to the community even after it right because there's so many levels of initiation but even after that you're supposed to be in service to the community for at least five years before you can give yourself that title of mambo or that title of hungan right so it's like people think oh i'm done one weekend it's like no it's it's work it's literally going there and doing the work for however many long years well like the term curandera is not something for example that you give yourself it's given to you by the and it's usually right? it's given to you by the, the community will start to call you the curandera not yes. that you actually label yourself the curandera right so like i label my work as curandera work right. right because it has been labeled that by community not because i gave that to community right Same. right and so that like, was hard for me right in the beginning to me that's harder than like any other like certification you can give me and i did that in quotes you can give me any certification and i'm good right but the curandera one is so sacred and it's like people started calling me that and it it really it had to sit with it for a long time time but even when now I say oh the womb curandera that wasn't me right I wasn't the one that said I'm gonna wake up today and I had to really sit with it for a long time before I could like receive it right that's hard people and don't see it though <laughs> no it's a it's a thing right because like this is why I've had people come up to me like oh what's the process for becoming a curandera and I said you're gonna have to sit with yourself and that's, that's, the process. Like that's colonizing it right because yeah. we are so step one is decolonizing your mindset because you're really looking at it from a ivy league you know certification bachelor's degree type of situation and that's not what this is 
right? At all. It's a journey. Like being a curandera is, or a curandero is a journey in the community. Like being a sobador is a version of a curandero or right. curandera, right? Birth work, right? All version of that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the community starts to like label you that and right. labels your work that. And that is actually the gift of the journey of being a curandera, right? Is that you never label yourself that. It just starts to become that. Your work and, starts to you know, show up in that way and then people start recognizing it and then labeling it that way. So I've had people come up to me and be like, you know, how do I become a curandera? And I said, I don't know how to become a curandera. Like, there's I so don't many know. ways, right? There's so many things you can do in your healing journeys for the community. Like, I can't be like, well, first is sociology 101 and then we hit into sociology 102. Like, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. And when they want to know the process, I'm like, I don't know the process. You're going to have to sit with yourself to figure out the, like you literally have to sit with yourself to figure out the process. Right. And then you have to just execute on that process. That is like, what does that mean? Right. What does that mean to you? Because it could be herbalism and a lot of curanderas that are herbalists. Would I come, do I work with plants? Yes. Do I call myself herbalist? No. Right. Cause that is like a whole thing in and of itself where you're really in one right with this with spirit and the plants and you know like I said I have a couple that I love and enjoy personally but that doesn't mean I'm gonna be like I'm an herbalist now girl (laughs) so it's the same thing it's like you got to figure out what is your gift how do you contribute to the community at large and then go from there the curandera title will come when it comes right but it's about understanding what what that means to you and how you contribute. Is it herbalism? Is it birth work? Is it, you know, is it, I can't even think of anything else right now off the top of my head. It's energy healing. Right. It's, it's uh, there's sobadores. There's, there's literally a million and one ways to be a curandera slash curandero or curanderex, curandere, curandere. Curandere, I like that. Um, there's a million one ways, but I think right. that our colonized minds here in the U.S. specifically get stuck on how many titles can I get? How many yeah. certifications can I get? And then it also leads to this quest of that we all suffer from here, right? Which is like not good enough, Yeah. right? We're never good enough. And therefore we need all these validators, which we've, which we've had to receive, right? We know that as Latinos and Latinas, we have to show up. Mm-hmm. into a space with more qualifications than anybody else just to be considered equally right right and it just leads to that perpe- like perpetuity of like what we have to do to be enough and the thing is like spiritual work ancestral work you being is enough like it actually right. is. that's your birthright right if it's for you yeah. it's for you and not any certification is gonna make it for you right? right like you have to do it and again it goes back to ancestor work right and understanding those messages but I also think that's why certifications are also like like they irk me because I'm like you you've just completely colonized work that never had certification right but I also think it's dangerous because people think that by sitting in a class they're now qualified to do something but unless in that class you actually went through the spiritual journey to do that right I actually don't think you're qualified, right? There's people that do womb healing, for example, go to womb healing certifications that haven't done the work. Mm-hmm. 
and I show have them show up in very toxic ways because they don't actually know how to heal because they haven't healed themselves. Like you can't actually, and this is this is like a spirituality one-on-one folks, you can't heal what you haven't healed yourself. Yes. Because how can you relate? That's just a right. universal spiritual law. Right. right. You can give tips and pointers. Like I actually think if we do this, you might be able might to help. heal that. Yeah. Right. And usually those are like also you're very powerful curanderos tend to be at a level where they can heal things they've done so many things they've right. been this, this for so long yeah. yeah that they've seen it all that they they're divinely attuned but there's something that i would never you know metrevo, right because it's dangerous it's dangerous for me to heal something that i don't understand Have right you seen, and i didn't even finish it because it was too much for me but um, someone recommended that I watch the, I think her name is Teal Swan. She apparently has like a huge following and they did like a, a documentary type of series reality show on Hulu. And I, I want to say it was like three or four parts. I couldn't get past the second. I had to watch it in like half shows because the toxicity was so much. And even at one point, and I'm like, did you even see yourself in this way? Like, because at one point they're like, you know, they're recording her and she's so angry that people aren't doing what she wants them to do because they need to heal. Right. And it's like, whoa. Is she a Virgo? Is she a Virgo? Yeah. <laughs> but she has like millions of people that like follow her and, and all this. And and I'm like, that's not how this works. People have free will. And they're like, no, because they have to do it. They have to do it this way. And it's like, but they don't. So, yeah, and that's the thing is that healing is not linear, right? Right, and it's not the same for everybody, right? Right, and the one thing that I understand in my practice is that I am going to attract people that need to be healed in the same way that I had to heal, right? Right. Spare might test me and be like, I, I don't want you to be shady. So I'm going to throw you something and yes. to make that I can give you a gift, right? And this does happen, right? Spare will be like, I want to give you a gift, but I want to make sure you're not going to be shady with it. Right. Don't do something that doesn't have integrity, right. right? And I get a lot of people and people will know I'm very quick to say, nope, can't do that. Nope, won't do that. Nope. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of people that I recommend out that I refer out right? Jay knows this. I will give folks all the time, be like, go seek Jay if you want a reading of some sort, or if you want right. this, right? I refer out all the time because right. there is, I will only do what I know I am called to do, right? Right. And that is you because can't be I- can everything to everyone and still live a life and uphold your own personal spiritual practice because then people forget that piece. You still have to connect, even as a curandera, curandero, whatever you want to call yourself, you still have to take the time. Like I was just telling you, I knew I set the intention that today I was going to get up early so I can sit with my team. I can sit with my ancestors because it's been a while. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's only, you know, they start to say, Hey, it's been a while since we've just kind of hung out. So you mm -hmm. still have to make that time on top of whatever else. But again, capitalism makes people feel like, well, I got to make my money. And so I got to turn this gift into money. And that's really not like, I know we live in a time where we have to pay bills, but we have to figure out that sweet spot too, right? To say, I can't go hungry, 
I need well, part of that, but part of that is faith, Jay. That, and yes. I think that's the thing that lacks with people that get very spiritual is that they see it as a way to get money in. Right. right? That's why you scam all the time, right? That's why you get all those Instagram scammers and, and, and all of that. And the reality is, is that the biggest lesson to learn is actually faith, mm-hmm. right? I have to have faith that if I continue with my integrity and that I... You know, there's something that spirit will ask me to do that I will not do either. Right. Because I have, I'm the one that lives in this world, right? But as long as it's being done with integrity, my spirit team has always taken care of me. Right. They have always, I've always. Because again, I've, it's not all about money, right? Right. We're always taken care of. Like our right. needs are, are, are met. Our wants are many times met, right. actually. Like there are things that I'm going like, oh, like that's not a need, but that's a want. They deliver and I'm like, wow. Like I'm like, wow. Like I'm humbled by how they give me, right? Like I am extremely humbled by how they give me so much. Like right. I think about how I was raised. Right. And what I have now. Right. right. And it's like this is stuff my parents didn't even think they can dream of having, right? Traveling as much as I do, the house that I have, living in others, these are all things they never thought. Like that wasn't even a mind process, right? right. So I'm very thankful for my spirit team. But it's based on faith. Like you gotta have faith that they got your back. Right. And they work on their timing. And, and y'all know me. I fight with them around timing because I like things going on my time. But they like yeah. to remind me, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute. But we got our own time. Right. right? Um, you, we have to just be better at um having faith and discernment. Discernment, integrity. Yes. Right being able to turn people away yes because you will attract if you are a healer you will attract the things that you need to heal in others because you have healed it in yourself right and that's when you know it's a good combination right if somebody comes to me and says hey I need to do this I'm like okay yeah I can I feel comfortable doing that because I've done it before right right sometimes something feels a little gray to me like I think I can do that but I've never fully done it that way I'll be like, let me give you an answer. Or I may not even respond to you because I need to meditate on it. And then I'll confer with my le- with my legal team, if you will. I love that. And, um, and be like, hey. My people I- call your people. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Is this something I should do? Right. right. Um, but that also goes to, like, if you're seeking services, having a level of respect for people with discernment. And, yes. and the fact that, like, we're not going to get back to you right away. Right. Right. Because we know that, like, we're not, we're actually not working on your timeline. We're working right. on spirit timeline, right? And somebody telling you no is actually helpful because it's going to get you to the person that's going to be able to tell you yes, they can actually give you, like have the patience to find the right person right. so you don't get yourself in trouble. But yeah, I think that's like, I've seen a couple of what I call like Instagram gurus, gurus, which are very dangerous to me because they're, they're, they feel very toxic, mm-hmm. you know, and I just watch, but like, they feel a little toxic to me. And I go like, you know what? I hope that people that are seeking them out have enough discernment to know that they might need to do some follow-up right? because like their, their practices aren't actually healthy. They haven't actually okay. healed the things they need to heal. Right. And that's another thing too, where you knowing the discernment who might be for you. And even if it's something where they're not wrong, you know, they're not like, but maybe that's not the practitioner that you need at this time in your spiritual journey. And knowing that too, not saying, oh, they're awful. Cause that's like two separate things, right? 
One, we know some that are toxic, but others that are not, they just might not be for you in that moment. Yeah, they really may not. Like they're in an, they're in a space where you're not in at that moment, right? right? And they're doing different level work, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that goes back to why we need to like also have clear conversations around decolonization of our work, right? To like be able to have that, like, it's been so colonized that you have to have all these certificates. Like I have so many people that be like, oh, I can't do that. I need to go like get a, like they do the work. Right. You know how many energy healers I know that do the work, but they're like, oh, I got to go get my Reiki certification. This is coming from somebody that has it. Homegirls. Tap into yourself. Yeah. That's just a certification. It's nice. It's a different attunement that you get. It's nice, whatever. But I am not, and I've never been of, of that thing. Like I've always called myself an energy healer because I know right. that's more true to my to my lineage, right? I did the certification because it was something for me. I'll share this personal part of my journey. I did it back in 2009, 2010, around there. And I did it because I needed something to ground me. And I felt in that moment that was what was going to ground me. Right. But as I was doing it, I'm going like, I've done this before. I do this already. And so I just made a lot of money. Confidence, right. We lack yeah. confidence. And so we need the, the certification in order to give us the confidence to keep going or like to move forward. Right. Yeah. But like it took, as I was doing it, I went through there and I, you know, took my different levels of attunement. I was like, I've done this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think like, it, it goes back to what you're saying. It gives you a level of confidence. Like, oh, I've done this, you know. Right. right. Or like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm Reiki certified now. So now yeah. I'm, it's not just something that's, because sometimes we do doubt ourselves, right? So it's like, oh, it's not something that I just made up in my mind. This is something that I can actually do. And getting into like-minded people, right? So even using discernment when doing certifications like that, if that's what you want to go to to make sure those are your people and that they have your best interest in mind so that when you're sitting, you find that you're, this is where I'm supposed to be. We were going to talk about so much more too, folks. Because <laughs> it's like a job and I've been at jobs where it's totally like made me feel like maybe this isn't the right thing for me. I've been doing this since I was 15 and now all of a sudden I'm questioning it if you know hr is my career choice because my job and the people i was surrounded with at the time was so awful right it made me second guess and it's the same thing when it comes to getting certifications if that's where you're thinking of right that you are surrounded yourself with people that will help and not harm and not make you second guess okay maybe this isn't the right path and decolonization is going to be a long process for us. Too. Lifelong, right? Yeah. It's lifelong. We, as Latinos, we have the the blessing and the curse of being the children of the colonized and the colonizer. Like, you can't separate the two, right? That's like, you know, you already made the meal. The meal has been made. You can't take the ingredients back out. So now you have to figure out what does this mean for me? as being a child of the colonizer and the colonized, how, how what does that mean in my journey to decolonize, in my ancestral work journey, right? Because if one thing we all have in common, right, in, in Latin America, we have something in common, that's it, that we are the child of the colonizer and the colonized, the child of the 
enslaved and the child of the slave master. That's our, you know, collective trauma. If you wanted to find one commonality, that's what we got. Y'all are going to laugh at this example I'm about to give, but if y'all watch SVU, (laughs) (laughs) no, um, Detective Benson, right, is a daughter of somebody that raped the mom. Yes, daughter of a rapist and and the victim, Mm -hmm. right? And that's actually what we are. And there is, and and what what I'm trying to say with that is that she is a product of trauma, Mm -hmm. right? And she spends every season working through that trauma. You see that as she heals, right? Because she's a healer in her own right. And as she works through helping other people in their trauma, that's what a healer does. She's she's healing in that way, and she can understand right? Because she's been through that in a certain way. Like she's witnessed her mom, right? So what I'm trying to say is that we're all Detective Benson's. Yes. <laughs> it's not a bad analogy though. Come on. It's not bad. It's actually really good. Good. It's good. Um, take it. Yeah. But we all, we all are. We're all Detective Benson's. We're all and if you think them. about how long that show's been running too, I mean... <laughs> This is how long this work is going to last, people. Lifetime. Lifetime, people. It's a lifetime. She ain't going nowhere. She ain't going nowhere. She promoted, though. See? Because she was doing captain now. She got promoted. She started as detective. Then she went to lieutenant. Now she's a captain. Guys, all the analogies are there. I love it. (laughs) Listen, spirit speaks. That's all I'm going to say. Spirit speaks. And my spirit team is funny, and we all know it. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, um, the uh, the pieces around that, though, is that like we are a product of trauma, mm-hmm. which makes our healing journey, our ancestral journeys, really complicated, right. right? Because many of us will only focus on, for example, our indigenous lines because they feel safe, they feel more pure to yeah. us victims right they were the victims of a lot of stuff we're like well I gotta connect their history was erased right Right. yes and and we also white so like that's just part of the reality right like we're both and they both influenced us and we're African right Mm -hmm. our ancestors were also stolen from their land right to, to come on stolen land and be and have the enslaved and that's why our african or indigenous ancestors are like so close right because not only do they share the same trauma but even when they didn't speak the same language they understood each other and they loved each other or we wouldn't be here right they still loved too right they they were colonized but they were they were raped but they were they loved each other they still experienced one of um i don't know that dr has this right now but but for if you're mexican heritage specifically you can do this a little bit if you're central american but the the records are still being transcribed the mormon church there's problems with this you know why the mormon church does this by the way okay google it folks they're they're shysty but i'll take it because they're doing the work for us um they're basically trying to baptize all the dead so that they can find redemption (laughs) um but they're going through all of the records of the church and transcribing them into familysearch.org. Yes, which is and 
Yeah, and you're able to like find a lot of information. I can say this specifically for those of Mexican heritage, a majority of the records are now transcribed because they've been working this for years now there, yeah. right? And I know that more recently have been going into the Caribbean, more recently going yeah. into parts of the Americas. It's easier if you're in a, from a bigger city, if you're from Santo Domingo, it's easier than if you're from a very rural area, but there's still, um, I'm still finding things. So I remember um, finding my first lineage of, like everybody was just, after the revolution, right? Everybody was just considered Mexican. Right. Okay? And the census is different. But prior to that, the census was being taken from like the church, right? So all the records were the church records. And so you have like all the labels. This is when you start to see people being- Caste system. The caste system, right? And I remember seeing the first time I saw Coyote in my caste system. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> and then the first time I saw like a Spaniard in my in the caste system, I was like, damn it. I was just like, damn it, they exist. I was like, I was gonna be a hundred percent on my dad's side. I was like convinced of it on my dad's side. Um, but it was interesting because of that to me, that story of the Coyote to me. A, a, coyote in, a coyote in Mexico is somebody that is of Black and Indigenous um, heritage. So they, they're, the they're father that was Black. Yeah. And so like they were considered coyote or mulato. Or like the coyote was like one parent was like already mixed. Mm -hmm. Right. But it led me down the thing. I was able to trace my family through that back to like Sierra Leone and then like oh. that, that side of the family into... Um, into Oaxaca, which is also very interesting, folks, because just a little tidbit that anytime that you, once you hit 1500, oh, and I was able to go back to 1500. In that's my crazy. That's it. It's almost like I have arrived. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I was able to go back to 1500, but this is the, the tihihi moment is I hit 1500 and then I had to stop because everybody was just named Petrona if you're a woman, like they just started calling you Petrona. Like every indigenous person was a Petrona. So like, you're like, okay, but which Petrona? Well, which like, one? Yeah. Which one? Um, and so I'm just like, oh, it's just Las Petronas. Like those are like the great grandmothers of like of the Americas. Lineage. Because like yeah. everybody, everybody's a Petrona from Oaxaca, basically. I love that. Um, um, but I remember seeing that and I remember going like, yeah, this is just the, this is just the lineage I'm going to go to. Right. Like, I'm just going to like focus on this lineage. And I did so much work and just did that and just ignored that Spanish line. Right. The entire time, just like, you know, and I remember, and here's the problem is that I remember asking my dad, like where, you know, cause when you're, in, when you're young, you're like, oh, where does your family name come from? And everybody's like, oh, I'm like descended from Kings and Queens right. yes. like, or like I'm German and it, yep. whatever. And hey. like, Martinez means like son of Martin, which is like a German name, right? So I'm like, oh, we're German. And my dad's like, nah, bitch, you Indian. What you talking about? You German. I'm like, no, dad, like, look, this is what our name means. He's like, honey, we were enslaved people. <laughs> that means that when they were free, con todos los indios, yeah. los liberaron, ganaron cualquier nombre estaba ahí. So right. whatever name, they that, that's what they got. So they, that's why there's a lot of Martinez's, a lot of Rodriguez's, a lot of like Lopez's, because those were the common names, right? Right. But then remember, in the time of slavery, the slaves were named after the slave master too. So, right. and depending on the hierarchy, like Lopez, Cortez, they had hundreds of slaves in one, you know, 
whatever it's called, one settlement. And right. so that's where the name is so mm -hmm. common because these people with these big positions that give them more, that which to me is really weird. Well, obviously savory is, but. Listen, what cracked me up though is that that was, and that was like, that's when I really realized what enslavement was though. Right. right? Like that's, I, that's when I realized like all my people were enslaved, which is right. true. Right. right. My dad's records and his family were his people were enslaved, right? Black and indigenous people were enslaved in his family tree. But the name Martinez actually did come from Spain. And so like I never like even like bothered to put that together. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, that would be healing for my dad to know that he's actually like it. I'm like, he doesn't need to know that. He ruined my <laughs> childhood. I ruined his his adulthood. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Hopefully dad doesn't listen to the podcast. He does not. Yeah. He does not at all. Oh. He's still in, he's, he's in he's in his own like, I don't know why you do everything in English. I'm like, Dad, it's it's my, my comfort name. language. Because I don't get Spanish it. Spanish was colonial too, so he doesn't get want it. Us to do. I always share this story. Like when I got married, I was like walking down the aisle. You know, we were we were fancy in Paris, getting married in Paris in a church. And we're walking down this aisle and I'm already nervous. I don't, I don't do well in front of crowds. And what Same I didn't know. Is the center of attention and who else, right? And a the center of attention. Here's the worst part. I took the destination wedding so that people wouldn't show up to my wedding. And then they did anyway. <laughs> people did, but it was, a, it was still a pretty small, you know, it was 50 people. I think that we had at our wedding, which wasn't huge. Right. And that was like, it felt like a normal Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Like it was fine. Um, the worst part is that what I didn't know is that I got married at like a national church for France. And so it's open. They never close the doors to the public. So whenever they know somebody, they also don't hold a lot of what it's actually rare to have a wedding in this particular church. Oh and I my God. I didn't, this is spirit. This was all right. spirit. This was all spirit. I did not know that either. And so everybody was like, oh my God, somebody's getting married. We got to go. So it was like a packed church. So I was like hyperventilating. Coming right. Because it's like, like all these people. Don't <laughs> I don't know them. I don't like them. I don't know who they are. Why, right. Why are they here? Yeah. <laughs> and then all my dad goes, and my dad also has anxiety, right? My dad is, I am my father's child. Right. 100% my father's child. And so I'm like being walked down the aisle by both my mom and my dad. My mom is like, and la la la, I'm like, oh my God. She's like walking down the aisle, all happy and shit. My dad's like mumbling underneath his foot. Yo no entiendo por qué esta misa está en inglés. Si no, si tu papá habla en español. Like, he's like bitching at me. Down the fuck, folks. He was bitching at me that the, the mass was going to be in English and not in Spanish. And my dad, I had two options, French or English. English, right. And he goes like, but your parents speak Spanish and this is an atrocity and Jonathan's parents and, and Jonathan's grandmother speaks Spanish and like this is just so disrespectful to us and he's like I'm about to go down the aisle getting married oh this God. is why I didn't tell him his last name came from Spain because he doesn't deserve <laughs> to know that knowledge <laughs> like that's what you get oh my God um well oh folks I really hope that, uh, you know, we'll always continue the ancestor work. We'll always continue decolonizing a lot of our practices. Um, in October, as we go into Hispanic Heritage Month, I hope that you take some time to decolonize 
yes. one aspect of something that you do on a daily yes. basis to actually get more in touch. Right? Like, let's use that as our month, right? Like, let's not call it Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes. Let's call it Ancestral Connection Month. I love that. Decolonizing Month. Decolonizing Anything Month. But freaking Hispanic Heritage. Yes. And so what's one, one practice that you're going to do this month that you're going to decolonize to connect more to your to your roots. So love to hear what that is for you all. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna think about mine a little bit because I'm trying to think, there's already a lot of things that I do that are decolonizing. Um, but I'll think about it and we'll, we'll report on Instagram at some point. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll report through Jay and then Jay can post it for me on Instagram. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, babe. Thank you, love you. Anytime. <laughs> um, in the meantime, until next month, please catch us. Oh, and please also catch Jay's podcast. She's got an official with her own podcast. Please catch her podcast, Healing with Jay, as well. You can catch it at all the main ones. I I um I, I always want to say iPad. <laughs> Apple on yeah. Apple's an op, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Um, as you can ours as well. Until yeah. next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Enjoy today's podcast. Make sure to give us a five-star rating and follow us on Instagram at Modern Bruja Podcast. Bye-bye.